With less than 24 hours left before the 2020 United States elections, Real Talk with Theo Korlev gives you a behind-the-scenes listen to a Zoom call between two young political enthusiasts, Joe and Luke, as they discuss the following questions about this presidential campaign. Please note that this was recorded on July 3rd and that things might have changed since then. We did this so that all you listeners could exactly see how four months in the world of politics could alter each candidate's chances in being the new president of the United States. Our goal here on Real Talk was to create an atmosphere where people have the freedom to express themselves and their knowledge to the world. Therefore, we kindly ask all listeners to enjoy the show and listen in a positive light. We understand that not all would agree to all the statements that you're about to hear. However, we ask for the protection of this wonderful panel that if you have any questions or concerns, you should reach out to Real Talk with Theo Korlev on our website and we will address them as soon as possible. Politics is a very sensitive topic nowadays in America, but we hope you get to enjoy your listen and potentially learn something new because that is exactly what this show is about. Now, sit back, relax, and make sure you vote tomorrow. Theo say what? Theo Brobsky, when we get spasticated, we chat shit. That's what, that's what I want in this country. Okay, so now on for the third question. Do facts matter in the age of optics? And please specify or include this culture of cancel culture and fake news culture. Okay. Um, well, this actually, I love this question because it's something I've been thinking about a lot just by going on social media. And if you spend any time on social media on any platform in the past month, month and a half, you, you're seeing a lot of activism. You're seeing a lot of people who mean well who are trying to get a lot of good information out there but also so i have seen an astounding amount of misinformation on social media and it's and it's of people that i went to school with and it's people that i respect and it's people who i know have good heads on their shoulders but it's something about social media that there's there's just no filter people people repost things that they like and don't really care about things that they don't and it, it it gets into this people get in their own bubbles and this is why america is getting more divided because nobody considers or has any kind of long discourse with the other side and if you just see these little like snippets of posts from the other side you're gonna they're easily dismissible but they're also easily if if you see something if you're a liberal and if you see a conservative post you're easily going to dismiss it but if you see a, a more liberal post you're more likely to take it in and yeah, the echo chamber yeah, yeah exactly and and you it is impossible to make a good political point in a social media post it is very impossible to do it i have a i have i'm going to do a short plug i have a I have an instagram account luke's political thoughts and and it's 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 tough because you have word limits and, and, and you want to make people read it because people on social media don't want to read paragraphs and you want to give visuals and you want to do this, you want to do that. But you like, it's, it's not meant for political discourse and it's what it's being used for. 
and it is genuinely terrifying that this is where a lot of people get their news from and they get their opinions from and 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 you go you go you you go on social media you look at this and then you go you have conversations i'm one of these people i love to talk about politics anymore and you go you have conversations and it's just you hear the same stuff you hear that these people are obviously getting all of their information from instagram from these stories from these posts and they they don't either go deeper or they don't critically think about things that they're reading like and it's it's really easy to not do that because like every it seems like everybody on your feed agrees with you and you're like oh you kind of get this like self-righteous kind of kind of attitude and you're like oh we must all be right because look at all my friends we all agree on the same thing and look at how good of activists we're being but you it takes all the nuance out of it yeah so and politics is nuance you can't yeah, have politics yeah, yeah. without nuance or else like you're just getting shitty sound bites and that's not a world that 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 i want to live in yeah no um it, it, I, I think Twitter is like the most it like because like, you mentioned Instagram a lot. Um, I'm not Twitter, you know. I'm I'm only on Twitter moderately, and that's only for like surveying purposes. I just kind of want to see what like the landscape is like and what people are talking about. Um, but I but but I think Twitter is the worst for exactly what you were talking about because Twitter introduces the word limit, the character limit, right? Because um, in politics is nuance politics isn't sound bites and yet everything on twitter has to be a sound bite and when you when you're making sound bites and when you're trying to get likes and when you're trying to get attention what you're going to do is you're going to post something inflammatory even if it isn't true even if you don't 100 percent believe it i'm sure almost anybody that has used social media and has used it for political content has felt that like slight inclination to change their wording to sound a little more you know against the system or for the system or like, like, like you're actually advocating or fighting for something instead of a nuanced political position. Cause that would just sound a little boring. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it kind of sucks that social media transforms nuanced political arguments into something that's boring into something that won't get a lot of attention. Whereas it transforms, you know, these quick soundbite type things, these really aggressive articles, these like, uh, this, these echo chambers of hatred for one thing, love for the other thing, competitive activism, yelling about like I'm doing more than you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all, all of that, it it feels like a, a lot of these social media sites are transforming um, politics from an actual discussion, from actual discourse, to some sort of competition. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really really problematic. Yeah. And like you have these like I think social media also is harmful because it, it, it stops a lot of people from going farther and and taking a deeper dive into politics because they think, oh, I could just get all my information from Twitter. I don't have to go read the newspaper. I don't have to go read any BBC, any any kind of objective objective journalism or as as, as close as you can get to objective journalism. And um Awesome. It, it, it makes it, we already have kind of talked about this in vague senses, but it just pushes people apart. It just it increases the tribal mentality of partisan politics to an insane degree because 
we're not even working with the same information anymore. Democrats and liberals are working with information that Democrats and liberals provide you and Republicans are doing the same thing on the other side. So you're getting, we're getting to a point where like, there's just no commonality between the Democrats and Republicans. And that's terrifying because you need to have it. You need to have people understand each other and you need to have people empathize each other. And you need to have people like at least at a very basic level, just have any sort of respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I'm not, I don't have any numbers on this, but this is, I have a fair amount of anecdotal evidence. A lot of liberals who claim to be super tolerant of everybody, they cannot stand Trump supporters. They don't know why you would vote for Trump. And they think Trump supporters are stupid. They think Trump supporters are racist. They think Trump supporters are X, Y, and Z. Everybody, everybody's heard what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And yeah. they don't take into account that a lot of these people, at least from where I am, I grew up in the Bay Area. The Bay Area was not hit hard by the financial recession. The Bay Area is not hit hard by COVID even. Like a lot of people live in their own bubbles and they don't understand that people have just been getting kicked in the teeth over and over and over again. And people's, I don't think people voted for Trump because their lives were very good. I don't think people saw everything was going right in their lives and they saw Donald Trump and were like, I'm going to vote for him. No, these people have been lost jobs, lost homes, lost family members. And, 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 and it only fuels their rage against the system when Democrats who claim to be tolerant can't tolerate them. And, oh, yeah. and it, it, it is, it's on both sides. Trump supporters don't know what Democrats are thinking. And, and so this, this election is going to be really interesting to see because we're going to finally get some, get some data, some hard data points to see where people are voting and like where these kind of divides are geographically. And um, it's going to be super objective who, whoever votes for who, and you're going to get a lot of a sense of, of where pockets of support are in the country. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure how we, how we, uh, fix fix that the 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 uh, dichotomy between the, the the left and the right and in, in the information that we're getting and and yeah. the uh, the rhetoric that they're using but there's a there's a pretty big gap there and social media just blows it wide open it's funny, it's funny that you mention you know the big gap between what like democrats are reading and what republicans are reading and like basically what facts Democrats have and what facts Republicans have, because like um, a lot of uh, our family friends tend to lean very, very conservative Mm -hmm. and uh, many of them voted for Trump. And whenever, whenever I've tried talking to them, it's like we're operating on different facts. They, Mm -hmm. they tell me like, Oh, Trump has done this and this and this and this, and it's great. And I'm just like, but no, he hasn't done any of those things. Yeah. He has he hasn't accomplished any of those things. So where where the hell are you getting this from? It has no correlation to reality, or it has no correlation at the very least to our reality, right? So uh, and I was just recently thinking about solutions, just as you mentioned. Because you mentioned like I don't know how to get out of the slump that we're in, get it, like how to make politics so healthier than they currently are, and how to bridge the divide. Honestly. 
and and this may be like and if this may not work but i think our best chance is to try to push some sort of objective state sponsored media mm-hmm. i think in i think in every western european country that we have seen state sponsored media that is well regulated that has to maintain its objectivity that uh you know the public believes in and that the public watches and this may be correlation versus causation. I don't know if that would necessarily create uh, some kind of bridge in the United States, but we don't see this kind of unhealthy discourse in places where there's a heavily pushed news station where a lot of people get their news from, and that news station has some kind of obligation to be objective. News stations in the United States, they have obligations to be objective because it'll maintain their business, Right. It'll maintain customers watching. But at the end of the day, if you look Fox News on the right and MSNBC on the left, they're exaggerating facts all the time because mm-hmm. that gets people to watch because that gets people to click. So I, I think there's, uh, you know, social media is a problem, but also monetizing the news is kind of a problem, because when you monetize the news, you're going to lean towards them targeting certain demographics. You're going to lean towards them saying something that's as crazy and inflammatory and possibly as untrue as possible because that makes them more money because that gets more people to watch. So I don't know if like the suggestion of state-sponsored media would resolve the issue at all. I don't know if it's unfixable at this point, but I think if there were some way to get state-sponsored media, to put the regulations in place and to get people to trust it, that would be a big step in the right direction. Yeah, there's a... Well, that's a breakdown from what Joe said. I like, I like what you brought up with uh, invoking your family members because I, I have family all over the country. I have family in Georgia, Ohio, Colorado, Tennessee, like Virginia, you name it. Like I've, I have family all over. And um, I most of them are Democrats, but you go, and when I was a kid, I would grow up and I'd go to Virginia to visit my grandma, Ohio, visit my other grandma, and I would interact with a lot of these places and, and they live in rural my, my grandma lives in rural ohio and rural virginia these are places both of these places voted for trump and it it was when so i and this is this isn't going to be kind of a tangent uh but I'll, I'll get back to the main point in a little bit but um just kind of uh, going back to like why people would even vote for trump in the first place like seeing this is like I noticed how my grandma's town changed pre 2008, post 2008. And it was depressing as shit, dude. There was nothing like it. Like it was insane. Like DHL, I think was the, was the company they pulled out of their job. They pulled out of um, Ohio and they went to, I think Mexico and, and jobs just disappeared. And, and that play, that, that community's hit hard and they haven't even recovered 10 years, 10 years out. But um, going back, um, I also go to school in Ohio. <laughs> and um, I think something that's funny from that is I actually talk to a lot of Trump supporters because like people who Uber me places, people who serve me food when if, if I ever go to eat and people who are cashiers, a lot of these people have very different political views than I do. And I try to talk to them about that. And one time there's this man, he was a Marine veteran he served in Vietnam and he had two kids. Both kids went to Ohio state, majored in finance and doing well. And he was a big Trump, 
Trump guy. And I was like, you know, like, like he talks to me, like, why do you like Trump? And he's like, well, my life has gotten better under Trump. I kind of took a chance on him in 26. This was before COVID. This was, this was this winter, this past winter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, my, my life is, has gotten noticeably better under Trump. And, mm-hmm. um, my, my two boys, my two boys are, 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 are happy. They're, they're in a great place in their lives. And, um, I'm not saying the America that, that these liberals are telling me that like, this is like the worst thing ever. And, and I thought that was just an interesting perspective. All right. And as for, um, how to like address this kind of, uh, the discrepancy in information, um, I think state run media might do more harm than good only because, Americans more so than Europeans distrust government to an incredible extent. So it's true. Um, I don't think a lot of people on the right would trust what the government was telling them. And um, I think that that might, I don't think it'd worsen things obviously, but like it, I don't think that'd be the um, end all be all just because America as a country is a lot more conservative, like whether it comes to like taxes, Americans don't want to pay taxes and, and then as much as Europeans and you can go down the list, American Americans are more conservative. The yeah. median American is way more conservative than the median. True. And um but what I do think some something could happen is maybe not necessarily changing the news outlets and where people get the news, but um Susan Rice actually and and a Pete Buttigieg during the campaign proposed these like national service plans. And um I'm not sure if they'd be mandatory, voluntary, pay for college. I'm, I'm like, there's all sorts of ways you could do this. And, but just get a large number of young people out of high school, out of college and like pay, pay for education, like have some incentives for them to join. And then you get people from all over the country interacting with each other, because I bet you that there's not a lot of people that I grew up in that we went to high school with that have really had good conversations with people from Nebraska, people from Kansas, people from Iowa, people from Ohio. Um, I think you, and you can't, like humans have this kind of innate tribal mentality in this fear of the unknown. And I think it's really hard to hate someone if you understand them and you understand where they're coming from and you understand why they have those views. And we just need to talk to each other as a country. We, mm-hmm. we've just, we've just completely, and this goes to can- the cancel culture part of the question. We just completely shut out what we don't agree with. And yep. of course you're not going to be able to engage with them. Of course you're not going to be able to see eye to eye with them on every issue, but you can't, you can't cancel them. You can't stop engaging with them because then that just makes everything worse. That then, then, then they, they see your side as being the, like this big evil side that, that, that doesn't care about what they think. And they, they, in our side, it's like, oh, they're horrible people for X, Y, Z. And that doesn't get anything done. That's not how we bridge divides as a country. We bridge divides when we actually come together. We actually start talking to each other and we actually listen to each other. And we don't just talk all the time and we don't just try to get our points out there. And we actually listen to people. We listen to where they're coming from. We listen to the experiences that they've had. And and we, we take it in and, and we think about how different everybody's life is and how many ways people think about politics and and how personal politics is and how you can't say because i believe in this this is right and if you don't agree with me then you're wrong and i'm never going to talk to you again i'm going to cancel you it's just it's it's a stupid idea and it needs to stop
Yeah, it, it, it's really problematic. And um, I, I, as for, you know, I, I absolutely agree that uh, the divide is problematic. The notion that like liberals have when it comes to talking with conservatives that, you know, panning them as racist, panning them as wanting to take away some sort of like freedoms. And, and, and obviously there are certain conservatives that are going to be doing that, but it's not going to be the vast majority of conservatives. And then on the conservative side, panning liberals as, you know, again, people who want to take away your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, your whatever amendment freedoms, your basic freedoms to go outside apparently will shelter in place, you know, um, and, and shelter, there is no basic freedom to go outside. I absolutely support shelter in place. want to make that clear. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people from both camps are going to pan the majority of the other side with what they've seen a few examples of, because that's partially because that's the easiest thing to do. It's so easy to de to defeat your ideological opponent if you just don't talk to them, mm -hmm. right? If you're not constantly confronting these issues, if you're just going to put up a straw man and say that they're just all, uh, you know, vicious racists, and, and you know, you're done. You don't have to think about these exactly. difficult things anymore. Um, as for state-sponsored media, national service programs, greater greater payment for funding for education, stuff like that. I think that, first of all, I think not enough politicians are talking about this. Like, I think we need a lot of politicians acknowledging that this is an issue if it's going to get resolved quickly. But second of all, I don't think there is a quick solution. I think it's going to require a lot of things. I think it's going to require expanded education because the more educated you are, the more you tend to seek out good news. Um, I think it's going to require like a lot of these national service programs and not only these national service programs, the like really, really, really good regulation of these national service programs, possibly from a young age, because if we can get people talking to each other from a young age and actually learning, like, I, I think a, the problem is a lot of youth and a lot of people in general have forgotten the skill of basic active listening. Yeah. Stuff that you were taught as like five or six year olds, right? We, we don't use it that much anymore because, you know, again, why active listen if that's countering your beliefs? If it's mm -hmm. something that you have some kind of innate emotional response to, this innate emotional like frustration with someone not believing what you do and believing something that, in something that you believe to be like horrible and racist and that you're immediately going to categorize as that. Um, but I think, you know, back to the notion of how to bridge the divide, um, I think it's going to take years and years and years of work and lots and lots and lots of money and yeah. many, many, many different policy strategies. Like mm -hmm. it's going to require, I, I think I, I wasn't proposing state run media as a be all end all solution. Yeah. I think it's, I think it could legitimately be a part of the solution if mm -hmm. we, work because there is going to be that issue of people not trusting state the state state sponsored media but i think uh with many years and a lot a lot of just like legitimization normalization of that kind of concept i think it could be a, a step in the right direction but it's going to require many 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 steps in the right right direction if we're going to resolve this issue and you know Back to the 2020 election, because that's where all this started. Um, 
I, I think, first of all, that basically nothing can be done quickly enough to bridge these divides before the 2020 election. I think that I, I think that people's minds are pretty much set at this point. I think that people's beliefs are pretty much entrenched and we're not going to see a lot of massive dialogue, especially, you know, because we have so many emotional, like gut-wrenching issues because we had George Floyd and Black Lives Matter protests because we have people sitting at home and because the psychological hardships with that. I don't think people want to address and confront the major issue of, you know, of the lack of political health that we have in this country. So I, I, I don't know to what extent that's really going to change the outcome of the 2020 election if people started talking about this. But I think moving forward, it's something that this country is going to have to do if yeah. we want a healthy electorate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for 2020, I think, yeah, the book's written on 2020, at least in terms of where people are getting their information. And there's not going to be a lot of, a lot of change in that regard. But also... 2020 is a perfect example of the, the, some, some problems that we're having because candidates aren't talking about what's on the horizon. They're not talking about these issues. Neither Joe Biden nor Donald Trump is talking about national, or national service as an issue. And if for people only looking at this in a binary way, what Trump believes, what Biden believes, they're not even like thinking about this because our politicians and like see like the way to run politics now is to make everything just like black and white and and there's there's really a lack of like creativity in, in coming up with things like this and 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 if joe biden's not saying it and if if the thought leaders on the democratic side aren't, aren't, aren't saying this then i then and same thing on the republican side there's nobody talking about about this then the followers, the the people who fit into these camps, they're not going to be thinking critically about this. They're not going to be seeing the the writing on the wall, the the um, the potential cliff that this could send our politics off of if this just spirals out and gets out of control. We're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about it, even though this is, I think, the most concerning. Um, this kind of idea of like cancel culture and not talking to it. This is this could legitimately like break America. Oh this, yeah. This could literally lead to the demise of the United States and our military is way too big to be taken over by any country where we're economically like sound, at least in terms of not going to collapse, but um, we will kill ourselves from the inside if we don't address this problem. And on that note, um, yeah, that, that's all I have to say. We we have to address this, or else we're gonna, or else we're we're fucked. Perfect. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming to the show. This was Luke and Joe. Thank you, guys. My corn, 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 corn.